Picks with the pros. My name is Chris Holdsworth, and today I'm joined by UFC welterweight Max Griffin. Today we're going to review five fights on the upcoming UFC Fight Night card taking place at the Apex Center in Las Vegas, Nevada. Let's go. All right, first fight we're going to talk about is Marcin Tybora coming in at the minus 102 underdog versus Greg Hardy coming in at the minus 120 favorite. This should be Greg Hardy's biggest test to date. You know, Tybura is the, the ex-M1 Global champ. He's got, you know, close to 30 fights on his record versus, you know, nine fights on Greg Hardy's record. So this is going to be a big test for Greg Hardy. But we both know Greg Hardy's got that one-punch KO power. And you never know when you're fighting a guy like Greg Hardy that's got so much power. He can just touch you with, like, a little jab, and you can go down from that. But we, we both know he's been struggling with conditioning, uh, he's working with Rashad Evans, you know, working on his fight IQ, learning when to tone thing, tone thing down, tone things down a little bit, and uh, slow things down a little bit, so he he's able to conserve his energy and go all three rounds. So, in my opinion, experience is going to play a factor in this one. I got Tybura, uh, you know, going all three rounds, tiring Greg Hardy out, and, and winning a decision. Who do you who do you got, Max? Yeah, I like Greg Hardy in this fight. He's, he's he's really been putting it together, looking a lot less amateurish. And I think it might be because he's getting the tutelage of Rashad Evans. He's been really, really taking it serious. You know, he's really good at football, and now he's really transitioning well to MMA. We've seen him in his last fight. I think he dropped the guy with a jab. And <laughs> like I told you, he's finished. got that one-touch, like, jab knockout yeah. power. And that's the thing, and he has long reach. So I think that might play a factor against Tybura. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll see what happens. You got Greg Hardy. I got Tabura. You think Greg Hardy's going to finish him, or what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I think Greg Hardy's going to land one. You know, Tabura has way more experience and um, way more grappling and that that kind of thing. But all it takes is one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if I chime in here, uh, I'm I'm definitely a Greg Hardy fan. I love to watch the guy with the big KO power. You know, he's the type of guy that cuts for heavyweight. He cuts weight. He said about 20 pounds of heavyweight. So he's walking around at 290, 300. I'm hoping he's going to try to watch his weight and be closer to that 265 range. Him cutting the week of the fight could be something to do with his stamina not, not coming through in the fight. Him, He tires out in the second half of the second round into the third round. He's definitely completely out of it. So the game plan has to be to gra drag Greg Hardy into the deep rounds in, in order to get that win. But it's a very tough thing to do. Like Max said, he's got that KO power. All he needs to do is touch you and put you put you away. So how do you guys ultimately see the fight play out? Give me a what round and what's going to be the method of victory for your pick? You know, Greg Hardy is is just going to get better. I think that whole conditioning aspect of, you know, not having the cardio in the later rounds just comes off of fight IQ and, uh, you know, getting getting the right coaches around you and, and teaching you, like, when to exert energy, when to kind of just hold on and not really, you know, use that energy. So I think he's getting better every fight. It's going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, what kind of changes he, he's going to, you know, be in this next bout. But I got I got Marcin Tybura going all three rounds, uh, taking Greg Hardy out by decision. Yeah, I got I, I got the Prince of War going to win this fight in the second round. Big knockout. I think he's going to hurt hurt Tybura at the end of the first. He's going to be kind of woozy in that mid mid uh, between rounds. And I think he's going to get the job done first half of the second round. Mm, interesting. We'll see. <laughs> Another question I want to throw over to you guys, a side note on Greg Hardy, is that he met with Mike Tyson about a week ago. 
Um, you know, got some advice from him. Of course, Mike Tyson was just on that uh, epic Roy Jones Jr. Legends League type bout. Immediately after the meeting, he sent a bunch of messages to Dana White saying he wants to do a dinner date with Dana and talk about a possible boxing match. And since that meeting, he's been calling out Anthony Joshua. He's been calling out Deontay Wilder. He wants to take a big boxing match. He thinks he can hold his own against these heavyweights. And, of course, he sees the big money that these boxers are making. Do you think with this new era of this crazy influencer Legends League type boxing matches going on that we're going to see more UFC fighters saying, Uncle Dana, Uncle Dana, please, can I go take a boxing match? And if so, who would you like to see walk out of the UFC and take a quick boxing match that would actually compete and do well? Yeah, I personally think Greg Hardy uh, won't be able to compete with you know guys like Anthony Joshua or, or <laughs> hey, hey, Dante Wilde. Yeah, he's going to get neither, he's going to be creamed probably in the second round or two. Uh, um, <laughs> But, you know, it's kind of crazy with all, you know, the the big stars fighting guys. And, you know, I just watched, uh, you know, Below the Belt with Logan Paul. And they talked about, you know, his big fight with Mayweather coming up. And he's like, dude, I- I'm not stupid. Like, you know, if a, uh, if an entertainer wants to fight me, let's box. But, like, if an MMA fighter wants or, or like, if a, if a boxer wants to fight me, let's do MMA. So, like... He wants to, you know, take it into his wheelhouse. He's a wrestler, and, you know, so so he's being smart. And I think that's what, you know, if any MMA fighter wants to fight, you know, it's it's going to be hard, like, fighting a, a professional boxer. I think Anderson Silva can can do some damage in there and fight some guys around his age because he's got some great boxing. Um, but, you know, it's kind of hard to say, you know, like, is that is that striking, that MMA striking style going to match up versus the boxing rule set and the boxing style because it's completely different. I agree. I like Stipe, though. I think Stipe could come out there. Ooh, and, that's a good one. I and, didn't think about um, that. That can be a good one. You know, Fight Fury or Wilder. I think he's big enough, and I think he's clean enough, so to speak. He's not real wild. He's real technical. I like I like Stipe. Yeah, I can see Stipe coming out there and definitely giving those guys a run for their, mo- run for their money. So let's see Stipe get in there, man. That should be good. All right, next fight, let's talk about Michelle Pereira coming in at the minus 122 favorite versus Kalen Williams coming in at the plus 100 underdog. Now, Pereira has got those crazy techniques. I remember his fight with Diego Sanchez. He was jumping around doing cartwheels, jumping off the cage, and I was like, this guy's going to gas out, no doubt. But he kind of surprised me because he didn't really gas out too hard. I was like, anybody who does all that crazy stuff usually gasses out. But maybe he does that in his, his training regimen. Like, he, he's used to doing all that flashy stuff. So maybe he has the conditioning to do it. But I don't think that's the smartest thing when you start fighting guys, you know, at, at a higher level. You can't, you can't play around in there. Like, this is, a, this is a doggy-dog world, you know. Like, one little slip and one little zag where you should have slipped, you're going to get KO'd. Or you're going to get embarrassed in front of millions of people. So, you know, I think this next fight versus Kalen Williams, he needs to stick to some good fundamental, you know, clean defensive strikes because Kalen has got that super KO power, as we saw in his last fight. He just starched that dude in, like, the, you know, probably the first 30 seconds of the fight. So, uh, Pereira definitely needs to slow things down. If he's smart, he's going to try to grapple Williams and, and take, grapple, uh, take Williams down to the ground and try to wear him out. But uh, if we're going to pick right off the bat, I'm going to pick Kalen Williams by KO. I think uh, I think he's gonna touch Pereira and and, and send him to goodnight land. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a wonderful pick. Chaos has been in the UFC. I mean, two fights, and I think he's under a minute total. I mean, the first one was against Alex Morono, beat him, and then he fought the guy from the same team out of Fortis. 
beat him. I mean, the guy has... We haven't seen that much, though. We've just seen Carnage. We've just seen a few seconds of people getting finished. So he's real crisp, though. I really like how crispy is, how clean he is. Prairie, I really got to move around. And he's a larger guy. I think he's going to have to use his BJJ black belt. He's going to have to use his wrestling and try to impose his will and try to mix it up on chaos i don't think he could just stand in front of that guy no i don't think anybody should stand in front of chaos it's probably gonna be a short night for you but like you said if he's smart let's see that bjj black belt let's see that full rounded mma game and, and try to take kaylin out of his comfort zone which is you know the stand-up game he's looking to knock you out and i'm a huge fan of kaylin now i i bet it against him this this last fight and i shouldn't have you know, he's well-dressed. You know, he wants to do something with Meek Mill and Jay-Z, uh, as he mentioned in his post-fight conference. So I'm a, I'm a fan of guys that, like, can bring entertainment to the sport and uh, also can uh, showcase their skills when, when the lights are on. Yeah, what uh, Max was talking about is um, Chaos Williams' first two fights in the UFC. First fight, 27-second KO against Alex Moreno. Second fight, Abdul Al-Hassan. 30-second uh, KO. So he's got 57 seconds in the UFC with two knockout wins, two knockout bonuses. So a heck of a way to start in the UFC. Crazy stat they got on UFC.com is 22.2 significant strikes per minute. That says he's just putting it on these guys. He's got less than a minute in the UFC. So pretty wild. So I'm excited to see, you know, he comes out with the chaos. Uh, is Pereira going to be able to weather the storm and drag him later in the rounds and maybe pull out the uh, submission game or, or get him tired, you know, Pereira brings it on. He's, he's extremely active. He's going to come forward with pressure. So I want to see what Chaos Williams has to offer. Uh, it's going to be interesting. If it gets past that first 30 seconds or get past that first first round, it'll be exciting to see how this fight plays out. So ultimately, we got the pick from Chris. Max, how do you see this fight ultimately playing out? <sighs> I got Mr. Tekken. I got Mr. Michelle Pereira. I think he's going to put it on Chaos a little bit. I think it's going to be a real good fight back and forth. But I think the, he's going to impose his will at the end of the third round and get a third round submission. We'll see what happens. It's, it's hard to bet. It's hard to bet against Kalen though with that with that crazy KO power. All right, next fight. Let's talk about Marlon Marias coming in at the minus one fifty four favorite versus Rob Font coming in at the plus one twenty six underdog. You know, Marlon Marias is has been a top contender. You know, the, the the whole time he's been in been in the UFC pretty much. You know, he's got a a dramatic loss to uh, Corey Sanhagen. Um, this this last fight, that back spinning heel kick that that finished him. You know, the, the close fight to Jose Aldo that some say uh, you know maybe Jose Aldo won. You know, but Mar Mariah's won, and you know, he's fought nothing but 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 top contenders and and always putting on the line with the best guys in the world. But he's fighting Rob Font, a guy who's got wins over Sergio Pettis, Almeida, Ricky Ricky Simone. He's been six years in the UFC. Like I've I've known Rob. He came to train with us before he was in the UFC, um, and I really liked Rob's boxing and his style. And uh, he was able to mix everything uh, mix everything well together. And then all of a sudden, boom, he's in the UFC. And I'm like, oh damn! Like that's cool to see the progression, you know, of of not being in the UFC, then making this. Now six years later, he's still in the UFC, fighting the best guys in the world. So, you know, I'm excited to see Rob Font get this this big uh, opportunity to fight a guy like Marlon. Um, but it's probably going to be one of his, uh, you know, his his best his best tests to date. You know, Mar Marlon's a former World Series of Fighting champion. Um, he's got crazy KO finishes, crazy submission finishes. So what do you think, Max? I like Rob in this. 
I mean, I like Marlon, but I like Rob, man. He's a, he's an underdog. He uh, he's kind of flown under the radar his whole career. You know, it's kind of more of a quiet guy. They did really didn't promote him that much, but I like him a lot. I fought in a few cards with him, but uh, he's clean. Has real crisp boxing. I think he's really starting to put it all together, getting some good wins. His last wins were very good, but he's fighting Marlon Moraes, which is a he's a little basher. He's a little ball of fire, and um. It's going to be back and forth. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm not sure. I think m most of Marlon's fights have been five rounds, these previous fights, and we we both know that Marlon's kind of died down in those later rounds in some of those fights. Uh, conditioning, in my opinion, has always been a factor in, in Marlon's fights. He comes out super strong um, and, and might even drop guys and almost finish them, but then he just kind of starts slowing down and that, that energy, energy level just starts going down. So it'll be interesting to see if, if, if Marlon's going to win this fight, it's going to be early in my opinion. But if it goes all three rounds, I think that's when you know it's going to be leaning more towards Rob Font. And he'll be able to maybe uh, edge Marlon out. But if I'm, if I'm going to bet on it, I'm going to go with Marlon Marias. I think he has, uh, he has a better finishing rate. He has more ways to finish you uh, compared to Rob Font, um, who's got really technical boxing. But I just think Marlon can finish you anywhere. So I'm going Marlon Marias uh, by submission second round. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. <laughs> we'll see. You were five for five last week, so <laughs> it's hard to pick against you. Yeah, I'm gonna go Marais. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Rob Font. I'm gonna go Rob Font. For some, something's telling me, you know, he's gonna do really well this fight. I think it's coming out. It's his biggest fight he's ever had, if you ask me. And they say that a lot. You know, your next fight, my biggest fight. I think this really is. This is definitely his biggest. Former fight. champion. Yeah. He's fighting, and um. He's gonna have a good day. Yeah, he he beats you know he beats Marias like that that should catapult him into you know some higher rankings and some some bigger opportunities down the line. Yeah, I got him winning the decision. You got Rob Font yep. winning by decision. Yes, sir. I got Marias by second round submission. All right, next up, let's talk about the co-main event. We got Jose Aldo coming in at the minus one fifty two favorite versus Marlon Vera coming in at the plus one twenty four underdog. Man, this is a crazy fight. You know, Cheeto just finished the Sugar Show. Uh, you know, first round TKO finish. You know, catapulted him into the into the the fan base of uh, you know Sean O'Malley's uh, you know fan base and stole a bunch of his fans. And he's been looking great, man. He's got you know six out of seven of his last fights. He's won only loss coming to Song Yadong, a guy who trains with us, which is a which was a super close fight. I know some people were thinking Cheeto won, but you know I thought Song did enough that fight to win. But you know this is Jose Aldo. This is the scary dude. Everybody was scared that no one wanted to fight this guy coming up through the WEC. Uh, and you know you're scared for a reason. You know he's taking people's legs off. You know he, he he's he's able to submit you. He beat Cabrina back in like a jiu-jitsu tournament back in the day. So if anybody knows who Cabrina is, if you're a jiu-jitsu fan, he's one of the best jiu-jitsu guys in the world. So that just tells you. Jose Aldo's jiu-jitsu game is on a whole nother level. So he can finish you on the ground. He can also finish you on the feet. It's kind of hard to pick this one because, you know, Jose Aldo is like, he's almost at the down. Like, he just moved down to 135, which I don't know how Jose Aldo moved down in weight class. But more power to you. You've been looking great. But, you know, Cheeto's on the rise. He's going he's gonna, to, you know, give some different looks that Jose Aldo probably hasn't seen. But, you know, a betting man, I'm going to bet on Jose Aldo this one. I just think, 
you know, his kickboxing is going to be a little bit more crisper, and I think he has better uh, a better ground game than Cheeto. But it's hard to pick Cheeto, you know, bet against Cheeto because, as, as we saw, like, he can finish you from anywhere as well. So I got to hear your take. What do you got? <laughs> yeah, Marlon's a – Cheeto's a wild man. He believes in himself. He's a crazy guy. I know him. He's a good friend. He uh, – he believes. He believes he's gonna win, and that's taking him far. He's, you know, he just uh, ran through Sean O'Malley, which, you know, I suspected cash in big on that. <laughs> but Marlon's good out of Team Oyama. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't count him out against Aldo, man. Aldo's kind of like you said at the kind of, kind of at the edge, yeah. getting kind of getting older, kind of not doing the best right now. I like Marlon. Yeah, yeah. And it's crazy. Like, I'm not sure what year Marlon moved down to Team Oyama. Uh, it might have been, like, as soon as he put this win streak together. Uh, I don't think he's been with them his whole career because, you know, he's from Ecuador. Um, you know, but Team Oyama, good, man, good job uh, getting this guy on the right tri uh, track and getting all these wins. You know, six TKOs, eight submissions. He can finish you anywhere. So Jose Aldo better watch out. My question for you guys is, Jose Aldo, you, you mentioned it, you know, he has some of the most devastating leg kicks in the entire UFC. He's got a 91% takedown defense rating. Um, it's just a great fighter, but I feel like he's really pulled away from, you know, some of his biggest attributes, and he stands and stands and strikes with a lot of fighters. I don't see as much leg kicks, no takedowns, not using his BJJ game as much, and he's still a very good striker, holds his own with these guys. You can even say, you know, he should have pulled out that win against uh, Marlon Marias, but, you know, he keeps it close. I feel like his advantages are his striking and his kicks, some of his BJJ, maybe in his older age, on you know, the second half of his career, he should lean towards some of those strengths more. He's still a great striker, one of his strengths. But I think he should switch up his game. With those stats, Max, we'll start with you. What do you think for Jose to get the, the win? What should his strategy be coming into this fight? You know, I think Jose has to be his old self. You know, he has to do those leg kicks. Uh, Cheeto's a leg kicker himself. So I think, you know, he knows how effective those are. He needs to use his boxing. He needs to be the Jose Aldo of old, you know. Yeah, it's, it's always kind of crazy interesting to see when fighters uh, are really good and really dominant at one thing, you know, if that's leg kicks or kickboxing or jiu-jitsu. And then they start getting a little bit older and maybe start doing different things, and they kind of take them away from what they're really good at or what really made them the fighter that they were when they were coming up. And like you said, Garrett, like I think he needs to go back to really setting up those low kicks um, you know, digging into those thighs, like, I don't know how many fights I'm like, Jose, where's your low kicks at, man? Like, I haven't seen him be that aggressive with kicks like he used to be when he was coming up. And maybe he doesn't have the knee uh, dexterity and flexibility, or maybe something's wrong with his feet, or maybe he's got a new boxing coach who's just been doing hands with him, and, and you know, he's turned more into a boxer. But I think we do need to see the, the old school Jose Aldo setting up those low kicks and, and, and really taking guys out and, and making them think about those kicks and then using those hands to get those finishes. It's time for the main fight pick of the evening. All right, let's talk about the main event. Steven Wonderboy Thompson coming in at the plus 100 underdog versus Jeff Hands of Steel Neal coming in at the minus 122 favorite. Man, I'm a huge Thompson fan. The karate background, you know, if no one knows, I did a little karate growing up. 
So I'm a I'm a huge fan of uh, Stephen Wonderboy's uh, karate style, that in and out motion, that touching you with that jab, coming off that pull off the jab step, and then coming with those cross kicks or those uh, or the jab cross same side kicks. I'm a huge fan of that style of the striking. So uh, of course uh, I'm probably leaning more towards uh, Wonderboy, but you know it's kind of hard to say because Jeff Neal, uh, you know. He's well rounded. He can he can take you down. He can pound you out on the ground. And you know Stephen Wonderboy hasn't really looked good these last couple of fights. Uh, so it's kind of hard to say on this one. I, I got to get your opinion, Max. Give me give me something. You know, um, I like this fight a lot. It's been going through my mind: is it Jeff? Is it Wonderboy? What's it gonna be? But I did find out that Jeff Neal has been working with Uriah Hall on that karate stuff. You know. That stylistically, I think that Uriah Hall can emulate Wonder Boy. So I think he's been getting a lot of those looks with those kicks, with that in and out. So you know, even though Stephen Wonder Boy Thompson's a former title, you know, former title challenger, and he's been around a while, I think Jeff's is you know going to get in there, and it's not going to be anything he hasn't seen. And uh, you know, it maybe even makes in some wrestling. I know also. Wonder Boy brought in Chris Weidman. He's going to be in his corner. Nice. They've been talking and training a lot on takedown defense. And, you know, Wonder Boy thinks it's going to go that way. Yeah, I know Thompson is cross-trained with GSP. I know he's cross-trained with, um, who the heck did you just mention? Chris Weidman. Yeah, Chris Weidman. So he's kind of all over the place, and he's doing the things necessary to get better at mixed martial arts. He's finding his holes, and you know he, he's trying to make those changes. But then you got Jeff Neal, who you know his only loss in the last seven years is versus Kevin Holland, you know who's been on a tear himself. So it's kind of hard to say. He's got that confident, um, you know, that confident record of thirteen and one. Only loss in the last seven years is is versus a guy who's coming off of five big wins. So you know he's got that behind him. He believes in himself. So it's going to be interesting if he's going to be able to get past that unorthodox karate style of Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Is Jeff going to be able to find that range? Or is Stephen Thompson going to be able to keep him at that range and really use those pop shots and catch him with those stiff those stiff punches and those cross kicks on the way out? For a little bit of stats brought to you by MMA by the numbers, we got a 92% takedown defense rate from Jeff Neal. And on the other side of it, we got 78% uh, takedown defense from Wonderboy Thompson. So, and I know he's working with Chris Weidman, like Max said, so he's probably even working on that even more. He wants to keep this a standing, striking fight. Uh, Jeff Neal's great on his feet as well, but it could be part of his game plan to take Wonderboy down. If it does stay on its feet, let's say it's a negate and stand, they're standing and striking the whole time. How do you guys see the fight playing out? If it is a striking battle, who do you think has the advantage? I, you know, I personally think, you know, from Stephen Thompson's karate background, he's got I don't know what his record is for kickboxing, but it's something crazy in the hundreds. Uh, you know, he's got a, a crazy kickboxing record, and he's used to point fighting. And I feel like if Jeff's going to want to strike with him, he needs to make it dirty and get in close and, and kind of use his dirty boxing and clinch up and kind of make it a, a more of a dirty striking fight. Because if he tries to stay at Stephen Wonderboy's range and try to strike with him from that range, I think, you know, he's going to have some trouble finding that range and getting past that that unorthodox style of, of Stephen Thompson. I agree. You know, Stephen Thompson's going to be busting out that sidekick. He, he comes from that point-fighting background, and um, he has good movement. So it, it, don't mean, it don't mean crap if someone has power if you can't get to you. Yeah, exactly. He's really good at that in-and-out, uh, dodging and evading the strikes as well. So 
I, I, my money's gonna go to Stephen Thompson. I think he's gonna. Uh, I think he's gonna squeak this one out with a with a point decision victory. Kind of be safe from the outside. Uh, score some points from from that outside. Working those side kicks. Working those those weird those leg kicks from the outside. And uh, you know, just just dance around Jeff and make Jeff kind of come forward and, and and try to you know use his power and, and get the finish that way. But I think Stephen's gonna do just enough to to dance around and get the decision victory. Yeah, I think Jeff is going to get the job done. I know he was out this year. At the end of the year, he got sick. I think he had sepsis or something crazy. But, uh, you know, he was on the show for a little bit, been meaning to come back, and I think this is a big fight for him. And I think he steps up to the plate. You know, when I first seen him, I thought I had to fight him. I probably will still have to fight him one of these days. But um, I think it's his time. I think he's going to finish Stephen Thompson at the end of the third. I think it's going to be a real back-and-forth fight. And I think he's just going to you know, um, catch Wonderboy at the end of the third and get the big win. Nice. Yeah, Jeff Neal did have a huge health scare. Um, you know, they couldn't figure out what it was, and and it looks like it was close to being a, you know, a life-threatening illness. And uh, I'm not sure what the official name of, of what he had was found, but he's in full health now. And, and a cool side note from Jeff Neal, you guys tell me if you look at this as a positive or a negative, but – during this lapse in fighting time for him, he actually works as a server for Texas Roadhouse, uh, my family's favorite restaurant. We like to go get those jalapeno poppers. But uh, he's a server there in his off time. It'd be kind of weird jumping into Texas Roadhouse, seeing the 11th-ranked uh, welterweight fighter in the world there. Um, so do you guys think for him, he, he has a couple jobs, actually. Do you think for him, uh, being a high-ranked fighter in the UFC, that he should stay focused to his craft and his game as a fighter? Or do you see these guys taking jobs and, and off fight or out of camp? Do you think it's a good thing, a bad thing? And, and what do you think about him staying in as a server over at Texas Roadhouse? I think that all depends on how their bank account works, like Kevin Hart says. Uh, but, you know, if he's if he needs the money and if, if he's got kids, I'm not sure his uh, his personal uh, you know stuff going on, if he's got kids or a relationship or, or anything he needs to, you know, be held accountable for, but... I think once you get to that level where you're able to pay all your bills and uh, feel comfortable from fighting, I, I don't think you should be working outside of fighting. Maybe some media stuff, like working towards your own personal brand, doing stuff to you know uh, bring your own personal brand up. But anything outside of fighting in your own personal brand is probably just going to hinder you more than anything else. What do you think, Max? Yeah, I agree. You know, When I got away from my job, it was the best thing ever. It just feels right. Um, our window's small, you know, so I don't want to waste time doing anything other than fighting. But, you know, if he, if he likes it, if it keeps him humble, if he gets a discount, employee discount on the stakes or something, you know, maybe it's that. Yeah, like everyone's got their own, own different reasons for working or having side hustles, right? So, like, we don't know his personal situation, so we can't really speak on it. But in my personal opinion, once you get to the level Jeff Neal's at, you should probably start, uh, you know, Really focusing on MMA being your sole number one job and using all your uh, brain energy for that one thing. Thank you for watching Fight Picks with the Pros. We'll see you next time.